Welcome to God Mode, Living Life Undefeated. Join us each week as Pastor Chris delivers a message to encourage, challenge, and empower you to live life in God Mode. All messages can be listened to at www.godmode.life. Let's join today's message. Hey, thank you everybody for tuning in to God Mode this week. So glad that you're with us. I hope that you had an amazing Thanksgiving time with your families and with different people and you're just really feeling the blessing and the goodness of God in your life. And I mean, I don't know about you, but who really came to hear a little bit of God's word today? I mean, we're in this message series called The Good Work based on an incredible story from the Old Testament about a very ordinary guy named Nehemiah. And my brother Ray, he loves the story of Nehemiah just like me. And so what I want to do is I want to set up this message by giving you some thoughts and perhaps about you, and then we're going to dive in and believe that God's going to kind of just speak to us together, right? And here's what I'm guessing that I know about many of you listening today. I'm guessing that there's probably something that bothers you. And when you see it in the world, some injustice, something that weighs on you, perhaps on the behalf of others, it might be a need that you see that you think somebody should be meeting. It might be a group of people that are hurting, maybe those that have been abused, maybe someone that's been neglected, and you know we should be involved to meet the needs. There's probably for many of you what we might even call a divine burden, something that disturbs you, something that upsets you on behalf of God, something that moves you in a significant way. Here's what I found. And if you're taking notes about our burden is this, and I want you to get this down. The burden you bear often reveals the calling you embrace. Let me say that again. The burden you bear often reveals the calling you embrace. In other words, the thing that tends to upset you will often drive you or compel you into a ministry to make a difference in the lives of somebody else. And what I also know about you is this, that you rarely ever know when you're on the front end of something really special. You rarely know when you're on the front end of really making a significant difference. This is exactly where some of you are right now at this moment. You're bothered by something. You see a need and you're leaning into it. You're considering doing something about it. Or maybe you're just in a early stages of starting and you have no idea that you could be on the front end of something very, very, very amazing thing that's going to go on that would impact the lives of other people. The title of our message series is called The Good Work. And the title of this message is Do the Work, Make a Difference. Do the Work, Make a Difference. Let me give you the context and just in case you didn't listen last week, we're going to go back in time to the year 587 BC. King Nebuchadnezzar, who was a very evil king, led the Babylonian people and attacked Jerusalem. 
These people completely destroyed the city, the lifestyle, the culture, the values. The temple was destroyed, and the Babylons took the Jewish people into captivity, crushed their spirits, demoralized them beyond any hope. If you fast forward decades later, some of the Jewish people were finally released out of captivity to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the homeland. If you can imagine, they're going back into a demolished city. There's no economic structure. There's no jobs. There's no systems, no government, no leadership. There's no direction. And most of all, there's really no hope. So these earlier, early travelers went and tried to rebuild. They hit a dead end and they couldn't get anything going at all. 140 years after the destruction, an ordinary everyday guy named Nehemiah was suddenly brokenhearted for the plight of his people and his city. And I want to tell you again that he was not a pastor, he was not a priest, he was not a prophet, he was not a contractor, he wasn't even verified on Instagram. This guy was just get going. He was an ordinary servant, a cupbearer to the king. In other words, this guy didn't have any former or appointed position. All he had was God-ordained passion. I don't know who this is going to speak to, but there are some of you that are listening right now that you don't have a position, you haven't been commissioned, but what you do have is you have a passion for God about something that matters, and that qualifies you to make a difference. If you listened to the last week's podcast, we saw that Nehemiah, his heart broke. The first thing he did is he sat down to cry. He wept and he mourned and he fasted for quite some time. Then he knelt down to pray 12 different times in the book of Nehemiah. We see him petitioning God of heaven. Then finally, he stood up and act and said, somebody's got to do something about this. It might as well be me. How do you do the work? How do you make a difference? I want to give you four thoughts today. You know, we're going to get very, very practical and we're going to let the Spirit of God empower us to do the work and make a difference. The first thing you're going to want to do is this. Number one, we're going to seek God faithfully. We're going to seek God faithfully. And again and again and again, we see Nehemiah going before God, praying and praying and praying again. And in fact, let me kind of give you the timeline so you'll understand this. If you read in the text, you're going to see that Nehemiah heard the news about his people in the month of Kislev. Now, when is the world is Kislev? When when is that time? That's sometime between November and December, our time. He starts praying and he prays until the month of Nisan. This is four months after Kislev. Four months. But I want you to notice is for four months, he's fasting, he's hurting, he's praying, he's seeking the God of heaven. Why is he doing this? Well, he's asking God to lead his steps. And it's impossible to describe how tricky it would be to be a cupbearer to the, approach the king with a request because the cupbearer's only job is to take burdens off the king never to deliver the king any kind of difficult news. In fact, for the Mideastern kings, you would take bad news and never deliver it to him. 
You didn't want to be the person to ever deliver anything but good news. And so he's in a very difficult place. In verse 1, chapter 2, here's what happened. He, he describes it this way. He says, I have not been sad in the king's presence before. So the king, he notices, and the king asked Nehemiah, why does your faith, face look sad when you are not ill? This can, not, this can nothing be but sadness of the heart. I mean, you see the intimacy in the relationship. You see how close the king knows him. His, his disturbed in his spirit. Verse 4 says, Nehemiah says to the king, said to me, what is it you want? Now watch him again. How many times do you see this? Then I prayed to the God of heaven. And what I hope you notice is this. This wasn't now a four-day prayer retreat. Yeah, I mean, he'd already done that. This was a man who was walking intimately with God, and now he can just talk to God, just talk to him. I hope that you pray both ways, that you pray the long and powerful prayers and with God, and so that in the moment, you are already close to God, so that you can have the moment that you can send them the text-like prayers to God. You know, he's, we've already been talking. We're not catching up on some devotion. We're talking, and we're walking, and we're intimately together. And he's like, God, help. God, give me the words. God, give me the wisdom. God, direct my steps. God, show me what to do. Show me what to say. And there in the presence of the king, the king says, what do you want? And he says, then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king. I hope you'll remember this about prayer, that there's nothing too big for God in prayer. There's nothing too big for God's power, and there's nothing too small for God's heart. He cares about it all. If it's a burden to you, you can take it to God. You seek God faithfully. There's nothing too small for his heart. You start by seeking God faithfully. God, I need you. God, direct me. God, guide me. You see, for four months, Nehemiah faithfully sought after God. I want to tell somebody that's listening, you have a heart for something. You have a vision for something. If your prayer isn't necessary for you to accomplish your vision, you aren't thinking big enough. You want something so big, so full of faith, that you need the power of God to come through for you. What do you do? How do you do the work? How do you make a difference? The first thing you do is you seek God faithfully. The second thing you do is define the vision clearly. Define the vision clearly. I hope you'll all understand, for most people, it's not a lack of caring that's your problem. It's a lack of clarity. It's not defining specifically what it is that you're called to do. I want to show you this, and I want you to watch the crystal clear clarity of an ordinary man with a vision from God. Watch what he says. He, the king asked Nehemiah, Nehemiah, I see you're upset. What do you want me to do? Nehemiah says in verse 4, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, watch this, let him send me to the city in Judea where my ancestors are buried so I can rebuild it. One sentence, absolute clarity. What did he say? Please send me to Judah so I can rebuild the walls. Clarity. Seek God faithfully. Define the vision clearly. 
Let me tell you what Nehemiah did not do. And I don't mean to be rude or make fun of anybody, but this is what people do a lot of the times. He didn't say, King Nehemiah, he didn't say, what did you want me to do? Well, King, there's something I've been thinking about for quite some time, okay? My Aunt Martha, she's from Jerusalem, you know, and she's got three kids, and one of them is named Mickey, and Mickey sent me this article about people, and I read about it, and it was kind of confusing because there were some big words, and but I looked them up in Wikipedia, and now I know what it is, and so I'm thinking, King, that I might do this mission trip you, to go there, you know, and I kind of see how things are, and I'm kind of be honest, I, I'm getting kind of tired of pouring your wine all the time and drinking it because you would kill me and stuff, and and you didn't even send me a Christmas card lately, and you you didn't even link me to me when you were posted pictures, and I was in the background, so I'm not even sure that's close anymore. Besides, I've been kind of wanting to travel lately because you know I want to see the world, and that's kind of something I'm passionate about. So I'm thinking about sending some letters to some people and asking them to give me some money so I can go on a mission trip. I might just kind of just see if I can go. I'm not really sure yet, but Mickey and Martha says it's nice, you know, and everything you're thinking, and you're the king. Thought I'd bring it up the ideas and see what you think. So, uh, so what do you think? <laughs> For most of you, it's not caring that's your problem. It's the lack of clarity. And this might be a little, but I might have just offended somebody. God forgive me. But it really comes down to you. What do you want to do? What is God calling you to do? Some of you are going to say help children. Okay, help children. How? Which children? Those that don't have their basic needs, those that can't read, those who have been abused, those who don't have homes, where? In your city, state, nation, in some other country in this world? Does it need medical? What is it very specifically that God is calling you to do? The bottom line is if you can, can't define it, you can't do it. Let me say that again. The bottom line is this. If you can't define it, you can't do it. If God is calling you to do it, define it clearly. If God's calling you to do it, define it clearly. What do you want me to do? And he says, please send me to Judah so I can rebuild the walls. In a sentence, what is it that God is leading you to do? In a sentence, incredibly clear. You might say that God is leading me to lead our family to be completely debt-free except for our mortgage by 2023. I mean, that's clear. That's definable. Therefore, perhaps it's doable. God is leading me to have a personal conversation about Jesus with every student in my class before I graduate. I mean, God is calling me to donate a combined $100,000 to my church by the time I'm 40 years of age. Or God is calling me to help every teenage boy overcome the addiction to pornography, to confess it, to repent, and to be free from it. Or God is calling me, honestly, to eradicate Bible poverty. By the year 2033, we'll see God's word in 99% of the world's population. We'll at least have a New Testament. You see, in a sentence, what is God calling you to do? How do you do the work? How do you make a difference? Well, you seek God faithfully. You define the vision clearly. Number three, you make plans carefully. You make plans carefully. The problem is a goal without a plan is just a wish. Some of you, you're just wishing. Make a plan. Honor God. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is get organized. God is a systematic God. 
We live in a solar system, seven days a week, every week. There's not eight some weeks and six some weeks. There's not 372 days a year. You see, God is a systematic God. He is a God of order. You make plans carefully. Watch about how specifically clear Nehemiah is about his plans. In verse 6, it says, Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, You know it's good when they're, you know, you kind of got to look at that. You know it's good when they're sitting together because sometimes she's actually going to be the one who's going to give the answer and get it done. And so they're sitting together. And so the king says, How long will your journey take? And when will you get back? Notice he didn't say, I don't have a clue. I don't know. I haven't thought about that yet. Got to go ask Mickey. No. What he says is, it pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. Whatever it was, he was specific with the king and set a time. Now watch him. I also said to the king, if it pleases the king, may I have, watch this. I mean, it's a specific request. May I have letters to the governors of the trans-Euphrates so they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. In other words, will you give me some protection, please? Send these letters to those who are in charge. Then, and may I have a letter to Asherah to keep the royal park so he'll give me timber to make the beams and the gates to the citadel by the temples and for the city walls and for the residents that I'll occupy? What does he do? He asked for protection and he asked for provision. He is very, very clear. I need protection to travel and I need provision to build. Then he says, and because the gracious hand of God was on me, the king granted my request. What did he do? He sought God. He was led by the spirit of God. God was directing his words and directing his step. I mean, he was incredibly clear on what he was going to do. He created a plan and said, this is how I'm going to accomplish it. You may say, I want to create a plan, but I don't really know how to have a perfect plan. I always tell people, the plan doesn't have to be perfect. That I would rather execute a good plan today with passion than a perfect plan months from now without passion. You just kind of get the ball moving. You, you, you just, you know what my plan is all the time. Here's what my plan is. My plan is to do the next right thing. That's my plan. If I look at how we do and rebuild these walls and how do we get the Bible out there? How do I grow this podcast or whatever? If I think about everything that I'm supposed to do, it would just overwhelm me. But it's simple. Do the next right thing. Step by step. Faithfulness by faithfulness. In fact, to me, success is not achieving some accomplishment out there in the future. Success is being faithful to do the right thing today. Be clear. What's your plan? I think this and, and you do the next right thing and you execute. So what's the next right thing for you? You want to start a ministry? Do the next right thing. Have a meeting with someone else who's always already doing what you want to be doing. Take a nerve, you know, take a tour, come up with some questions. And don't you dare do all the talking. Ask questions. Shut your face and listen to what somebody else says. I mean, you've got a good idea and you want to learn about how to make it happen. Find a mentor, write a business plan, listen to podcasts. You want to get a date? <laughs> oh, God, send, send me help to you. Take a bath, buy a clean t-shirt, right? 
Go to Target. Target's where all the girls go to find the things they don't need. All right, I might have went a little too far there. But what do you do? You seek God faithfully. You define the vision clearly. You make plans carefully. And here's number four. This is the last one. You inspire people passionately. You inspire people passionately. I want to know, I really want to warn you with what's coming. And we're going to talk about this next week because next week is challenging. We're going to see a lot of opposition, hardcore critics and haters. We're going to see some really discouraged people that feel like God may not be with us. We're failing. We're not getting it done. We can never accomplish this. They're distracted. They're exhausted. They feel like failures. And then we're going to watch as Nehemiah again and again steps up, reaches deep within his soul at times when I'm thinking he probably doesn't even know if he believes it's possible himself. How do I know? Because I've done this. And you stand up with whatever faith you have and you try to inspire people passionately. All things are possible with God. Watch what Nehemiah does. He says to them, he acknowledged that things aren't good. He says, you see the trouble we're in. I like that. He's authentic. He's telling the truth. This isn't sweeping it under the rug and pretending it's all hidden. No, you see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and the gates have been burned with fire. Then what does he say? Come, everybody, people who believe, people from our homeland, people of the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, our God. Let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. Then Nehemiah says, I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king said to me. God is with us. God is working. God is for us. You see, inspire people around you to believe that God is for what you are doing, that God is with us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He is empowering us. He is going before us. He's opening doors that we don't have the power to open. He is giving us favor with the hearts of people. Our God is with us. Inspire people passionately. That is the sign of a great leader. will inspire others to lead passionately in the same direction. You know, I like what John Wesley said. Some people would call him the founder of the United Methodist Church. He said this. He said, light yourself on fire with passion and people will come from miles to watch you burn. You see, somebody here listening today is playing with a little gasoline. Not really, but you know what I'm saying. And let the fire people, let it burn. Come and inspire people. Let them come to watch you burn. What do you care about? Let it break your heart to the point where you just can't keep it to yourself, where it just oozes out of you. Not with this anger that turns people away, but with passion that draws people in. We can rebuild. We can save our people no longer in disgrace. What burdens you? We can empty foster homes and get good kids in good homes, and we can help people be free from addiction. We can save marriages from divorce by teaching the truth of God's goodness. We can help people heal from what's, what's in their heart. Believe that and inspire people to do that. 
Nehemiah says, I told them about the favor of our God and how he moved the heart of our king. What you care about, that burden, what if it's not an accident? What if God trusted it to you? Because it bothers you more than it bothers everybody else. Maybe it's because you've been given an assignment that no one else has. The burden that you bear often reveals the calling you will embrace. An ordinary person, don't feel qualified, don't feel prepared. Congratulations. You're the perfect type of person that God loves to use. So how do you make a difference? How do you do the good work? You seek God faithfully. You define the vision clearly. You make plans carefully and you inspire people passionately. And then you step out and you do what you can do and you watch God do more through your step of faith than you ever imagined. So Father, do that in us. Do that through us. I pray today, God, that this this would not just inspire somebody perhaps, but equip them to do the good work and to make a difference in this world. You know there's something more. You know you're ready to act. What's your plan? Do the next right thing. Do the next right thing. For some of you, it's just acknowledging that there's a right next thing to do and you want to do it. Father, just use this message. Speak it to our hearts. Begin to plant something in us so passionately that it just bubbles over. We can't help begin to do the next step. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I hope that you feel encouraged. I hope you feel challenged, but also help you feel empowered to do the things that God has called you to do. Join us next week as we're going to look at the next step in Nehemiah's process of what he's going through to finish and really make a difference. God bless you. We'll see you all next week. Thank you for listening to today's message. You can hear all of Pastor Chris's messages at www.godmode.life. Join us next week as we continue on in this series. Please leave a review of this podcast at podchaser.com.